Hey, I'm Holly, the founder of Holly TBH, and I am so excited for you to tune in to the second episode of TBH the podcast. Before we dig in, I want to give a disclaimer for various things that you're about to hear. Number one, we're going to talk about some pretty heavy stuff. So I want to give a content warning that if you're looking for something light, if you don't want to hear conversation about parental estrangement, if you don't want to hear conversation about human rights issues, how they affect people in the queer community especially, uh, if you don't want to hear conversation about abuse, maybe this isn't the episode for you. We don't get too deep into it. We don't talk about anything graphic, but it is a serious topic that we're going to talk about. So just take care of yourself. And if this isn't the one for you, that's totally fine. Number two, what you're about to hear is a conversation between friends. I am not a therapist. Eli is not a therapist. Neither of us are quote unquote experts in estrangement. We are two people that have done a lot of self-work that have dealt with family issues and that have done our own research about this topic, honestly, a lot of times in a way to either soothe ourselves or soothe each other or other people that we love. So while I won't belittle us and say that we're coming from a place of ignorance, we are absolutely not people that you should look to to prescribe how to deal with issues with your family. We are both huge proponents of therapy And we absolutely believe that talking to a therapist in addition to a coach, in addition to your friends, in addition to seeking support online, all of these things should happen in combination with one another. And we are not the be-all, end-all on the topic of estrangement. When you listen to us, take what you like and leave the rest. If something isn't resonating with you, then maybe it's not for you. If something isn't resonating with you and you want to talk to me about it, my DMs are open and I would love to have a conversation. But recognize that if the perspective that we're coming from is not the same perspective that you're coming from, sometimes that might mean that it's a conversation we should have together and it's something that we should work through. Or sometimes it might just mean that we have different life experiences and this isn't something that you're going to be able to relate to. So wherever you fall on that spectrum, I would love for you to listen. I would love to hear your feedback, but I understand that this isn't going to be for everyone. And I hope that you can understand that too and, and take what you like and leave the rest. Before digging into my conversation with Eli, I wanted to find some terms. We're going to be using these throughout the conversation. There might be things that we talk about that I don't define here, and if that does happen, please don't hesitate to reach out to me and ask me to clarify. I am always happy to expand on anything or to break something down if something we say doesn't make sense or if something is new to you, so please do not be a stranger. Number one, estrangement. Estrangement is the loss of a previously existing relationship between family members through physical and or emotional distancing, often to the extent that there is negligible or no communication between the individuals involved for a prolonged period of time. Estrangement means 
you are no longer on friendly terms or part of a certain social group. And estrangement can often be synonymous with alienation from one's family. Some contributing causes for estrangement can be value and or identity conflict. An example of this that I'm going to talk about with Eli is a situation where a child comes out as queer and the parent is unable to accept that, acknowledge the experience of the child, acknowledge the hurt that the child dealt with growing up before coming out. That can be an example of value and or identity conflict causing estrangement. Another cause of estrangement can be divorce. So say parents get divorced and the child takes the side of one of the parents or parents get divorced and one parent kind of disappears off the face of the planet and therefore becomes estranged from the child. Those all can be examples of how divorce can influence estrangement. Another cause of estrangement can be abuse, whether it's emotional abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, gaslighting, any form of abuse that deems the relationship unhealthy um, or too difficult to maintain can be a cause of estrangement. In some cases, addiction could be a cause of estrangement, whether it's an addiction that is going unresolved, if it's an addiction that one or both parties won't acknowledge, addiction can impact the health of a relationship and could lead to the disintegration of that relationship either forever or for a period of time while the addiction has taken over. Mental illness can also impact familial relationships and lead to estrangement if the mental illness, again, isn't dealt with, isn't acknowledged by both parties, or isn't dealt with in a way that makes it manageable to maintain a relationship, that can lead to estrangement. In a similar vein, personality disorders have the potential to lead to estrangement. And more broadly, betrayal could lead to estrangement, whether it's the child betraying the parent, the parent betraying the child, or a spouse betraying the other spouse. Any sort of betrayal could lead to a lack of contact. Something worth noting here is that all of these things could exist in combination with one another, they could exist alone, and none of them are a direct line to estrangement. Any of these circumstances could be in place without estrangement being the result. Whether it means that an unhealthy relationship continues and therefore estrangement doesn't happen, or if it means that both parties are working through whatever issue there is at hand enough so that estrangement doesn't need to happen. Just because a divorce happens or someone is mentally ill or somebody betrayed you, that doesn't mean that estrangement is the necessary next step. These are just examples of things that could potentially lead to estrangement, if that's the way that it goes. Two, spiritual bypassing. Spiritual bypassing is a tendency to use spiritual or religious ideas and practices to sidestep or avoid facing unresolved emotional issues, psychological wounds, and or unfinished developmental tasks. So examples of spiritual bypassing are abuse happening in a religious family 
if that abuse is brought to the surface and the family is using religion to say that that abuse was the will of God, that would be an example of spiritual bypassing. Three, victim blaming. Victim blaming is the attitude which suggests that the victim, rather than the perpetrator, bears responsibility for an assault. Victim blaming occurs when it's assumed that an individual did something to provoke the violence by actions, words, or the way they were dressing. This is speaking specifically to sexual assault, I would assume. Our society regularly holds victims accountable for their own abuse, abuse of all kinds. So if a child is held accountable for cutting off their abusive parents, they may hear comments like, that's your mom, that's your dad, let it go, don't rock the boat. That would be an example of victim blaming. A rape victim being blamed for ruining the lives of a rapist by turning them in. If we think about the case of Brock Turner, that is a global example of victim blaming. And that kind of shows the way that this is prevalent in our culture. In our culture, it's really difficult for people to accept bad things happening to good people. And that impacts the perpetuation of victim blaming. To accept that something heinous has happened to a person who truly didn't deserve it means having to accept bad in the world, having to accept harm and own that that exists. And since that's an uncomfortable thing for Americans to grapple with because of the American dream, because of the toxic positivity that can be prevalent in our culture, victim blaming is allowed to thrive because it makes the case that whatever happened to this person was their own doing in one way or another. So I am here with a dear friend, Eli McDonald. We grew up together in Southern California. We went to high school together and we have become even closer in adulthood, both having transformed a lot since when we were younger. Um, and in our friendship since growing older, we've talked a lot about the topic of estrangement, about relationship with family. Um, there's a lot we can relate on. There's a lot that is different in our stories, but things that we can comfort each other through and kind of bounce ideas off of one another to kind of get to a point of personal understanding. But I thought it would make a lot of sense and be really valuable to talk to Eli about this because he can provide a perspective very different from mine, but he has quite a way with words. And personally, I have always found my talks with him very validating. Um, he always warms my heart and he's got a fabulous laugh so I'm excited for you guys to all talk or hear him talk to me and to hear us chat so welcome Eli I'm so happy to have you hi Holly it's great to be here thanks <laughs> for having me of course so let's just start off by you kind of introducing yourself and telling people about who you are um, I think it would be important to talk about your upbringing but I also think it's important to know where you're at in your life now so whatever structure feels organic to you go for it yeah so I am a 
graphic designer and artist in Los Angeles, California. I stayed kind of nearby where me and Hallie grew up. Um, but I grew up in a um, pretty religious family um, where I experienced like a lot of um, emotional difficulty with my family because of um, the religious side and um, my personal coming out process um, and just my political beliefs in general. Um, my dad is very conservative, both religious and politically. And so um, as I was developing my own uh, ideologies, I kind of grew further and further apart from where he was uh, because of that. And um, I think the interesting thing about it is that you and I both were going through similar things and we didn't necessarily talk specifically about it, but I think that it is one of the things that drew us together because there is a part of parental estrangement where you do have to mature a lot faster because you have to kind of become your own adult faster and you have to become your own caretaker and you have to find places where you get that emotional validation um, outside of the home. Um, yeah. I've never really thought about it that way. I've thought about it with other friends, actually, like being drawn to specific, really, really close friendships in my life, obviously as a sort of substitute family at times where it was really hard to find that comfort within my own family, but more specifically just like, oh, we're in this environment where like, especially in our hometown, everything's super picture perfect and family values and like cheerleaders and football games and church. And that was never going to be me and my family. And I we're on the same page about that. My family <laughs> yeah. and I are aligned there. But just like being around these people and then you and I probably exchanging this kind of unspoken like, we don't relate to what's happening over there. And, totally. and in one way we envy it. And in another way, we're sort of like, there's probably more going on underneath the surface. But overall, just this way of an unspoken understanding between each other. And yeah, it's, I'm really glad you said that because like, I always felt close to you, but you were a different human being in high school. <laughs> yeah. Like, I love the things I loved about you then, I still love now. Like, you're so goofy, you're so funny, you're so creative, you're so easy to be around. But, like, your identity, quote unquote, to other people, to the people we hung out with and in our school, just completely different than who you actually are. And, yeah it is really funny that like we had a bond even back then when that was the Eli I knew, 
because yeah. it makes a lot more sense that we like have it now you know what I mean yeah no that I would def- definitely agree with that because oh I am such a different person now and like I I think that's the one of the reasons is that I have thought about when it comes to friends like you and Talia and like all of our other friends from high school um, where I I am so different and it's interesting that like those friendships have maintained throughout all of these years through all of my changes and I think that a large part of it is because I was bonded with people by things outside of like the persona that I was putting off in high school you know yeah and bonded to people for things that we didn't have the language for at all like things we couldn't identify we had no idea really why we were bonded but if we look at groups that we may have been associated (laughs) with and the fact that maybe they didn't have the same lasting power but for some reason the fondness for each other remained it it makes me feel emotional to be like oh we didn't even know we had no idea why but I'm grateful that for some reason it happened because now we do know how to talk about stuff and like Mm -hmm. we can confide in each other because I think Mm -hmm. and definitely tell me if I'm wrong because I have no idea what the experience was like for you but I think that like if it had felt safe to you to come out to anyone in high school like you would have felt fine coming out to me but it just wasn't a safe environment to come out in general like yeah yeah I would definitely agree with that and I think a lot of people have this idea of growing up in LA where it's like free-spirited and you can be whoever you want to be and where we grew up it was very cookie cutter still where like the cool kids were the jocks and the cheerleaders and if you weren't a part of those groups then you just weren't cool and and like um homecoming king and homecoming queen like everything was very gendered and like the girls do this, the boys do this. And yes. like these are the things that we believe. And so I, even with friendships like you, where I definitely would have felt good coming out to you, I, I think that it was more just the setting where totally. I was like, if I come out to somebody, then that means that I have to become this person that's going to be like ridiculed because we did one of our like friends was the only gay kid in our high school and a lot of people were not not nice and not cool and it was like I I think that that was the tape that was running in my mind was like if if I come out now then that means that almost like I have to toughen up even more than I already have because because that's what's waiting for me on the other side. And so throughout like middle school and high school, in my mind, I very consistently thought like, 
I just have to make it till college. I just have to make it till college. Yeah. And and like that and that goes back to the family too because I think that college was kind of like the light at the end of the tunnel because it it was like the um kind of like beacon of freedom to to like develop a life that I could control what I wanted to do and what I like just my daily life could be relaxed and like I can enjoy things yeah yeah I think like because of the context of our school and our town it didn't even cross my mind that you were gay because Mm -hmm. there was one gay kid in our school and of course yeah it was like mid-2000s we knew that more people were gay in the school but nobody was gonna come out and it was just like it just wasn't gonna happen maybe two kids would say that they were bi and then people would be like what does that even mean and then that was (laughs) the end of the conversation yeah so it just didn't cross my mind that you were gay I do remember where a friend would be like, oh, I think Eli likes you, or I think Eli likes so-and-so. And I remember viscerally being like, I don't think that is true. <laughs> I think <laughs> you're wrong. But the next thought wasn't because I think Eli's gay. It really was just like, I, I just don't think that's right. And yeah. I wish that I wish that we'd grown up sometimes 10 years later. And like, yeah. we could have just, you could have just lived the way you wanted to live more in high school. You wouldn't have been totally free because like high school and Mm -hmm. our town, but there maybe would have been like more of an open door for that. And it makes sense that like, I don't know, you have become more outspoken. You've just been become louder. It felt like in high school, you were kind of just trying to fly under the radar in general. And it makes sense because it's like, if the spotlight was on you for too long, then maybe this would come out and then you'd have to deal with it. And you'd have to live up to that persona. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say my, I think another aspect too that kind of speaks to parental estrangement with that is um, when your parents kind of dictate most of your life for you, then when there's big things like coming out or, deciding what you want to do for a job in the future or any of those things um the initial thought instead of being like what what's going to happen to me socially is like what are my parents going to think and do and then and then it's like and then also I have to deal with this at school you know and And so, like, for a lot of my childhood, I wasn't even willing to consider it. Because, like, I knew that I was gay, but I wasn't willing to consider the thought of it because it was just um, too many cracks in the foundation that I would have to recognize. Right that you felt like you would have to patch up and you're like, it's not possible to. Yeah. Yeah. Like these, these are not cracks that I will be able to fix. And so I'm just gonna 
like lay a rug over them, hope that nobody sees them underneath. And yeah. And we'll tiptoe over it and then yeah. get to college and call it a day. Exactly. Then rip it off and be free. Yeah. So when you think about how your sexuality and your political views and kind of just who you knew you were, or at least who you knew you would become, when you started to realize that was in contrast to your family and, and most specifically your father, do you have moments like memories that you look to and you're like that was a time that I realized that we were not on the same page or that was a time where I realized it wasn't safe for me to be who I was in front of this man can you think of any things like that yeah um I mean I think a lot of it came initially when I started to realize that I didn't identify as a Christian um, because my family was the type of family that went to church multiple times a week and like was very close friends with a lot of the people at the church and so when I started to put up resistance to it and would get like there wasn't I would get like things taken away or I wasn't allowed to do things because I didn't want to go to church. That was like the first initial marker of like, oh, I'm not allowed to have my own set of thoughts kind of. Um, And then in terms of like political stance, I it actually came around, um, I think it was like, I can't remember when it was, but um, around uh, when Obama was uh, running for the first time, um, because I was really in support of Obama. Um, We went on a family vacation to the, um, the Bahamas and I saw a Obama t-shirt and um, my mom bought it for me and it caused like a lot of drama and that I'm not sure if it was all about this, but it definitely spurred me like that whole conflict spurred me on to like really find out more about politics and like why the concepts that Obama was bringing up in his platform mattered because my dad was so resistant to all of it to where I was like why why is this such a big deal and my dad was um a faithful viewer of the Bill O'Reilly show or the O'Reilly factor or whatever it was. And um, that was pretty much like the only, because we weren't allowed. Yeah. It was, it was the only media uh, that was politicized that was um, in our house because my mom's very liberal and my dad's very conservative. And so we almost never talked about politics 
until I started to get very, uh, like, fired up about it. Um, and that's kind of where the the initial, like, political division started happening because as I was getting fired up about it, then I was getting frustrated when my dad was watching the O'Reilly Factor or whatever it is after school. Like, I didn't want it playing in the house or where I could hear it. And, and so it started to become more of an argument. Whereas when I was younger, I didn't even know about political views, really, besides the fact that, like, I went with my mom to the voting booth rather than my dad. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it just, those, those two moments kind of really solidified the fact in my mind that like I was separate yeah yeah did you talk about prop eight as a family because I just remember being in school and inappropriately in my opinion we would have debates about prop eight in Mm, class totally and for context for anyone listening like we and some of them I'm very close to to this day but we grew up around not only a lot of very conservative Christians but also a lot of Mormons and Mm. Prop 8 was like a really, really contentious issue in like the late 2000s because it was about gay marriage and there were signs on everybody's lawn and either you were pro Prop 8, which meant no gay marriage, or you were against Prop 8 and you thought gay marriage should be allowed. Um, Is that something that came up in your family or was it usually broader than that? Yeah, no, it definitely was. Um, but even though I wasn't out, I was still, I mean, it's obvious to me now that it was because I wanted to get married at some point back then. And, but I was very um, against Prop 8. And so, like, we would get in arguments about it because, I mean, what it came down to for uh, my dad was like, well, in the Bible, it says a man and a woman. And that was just not an acceptable answer for me, which I, like, still to this day, I'm like, somebody's personal religion doesn't get to dictate everybody's um, lives. Yeah. Um, and and there's a lot of political issues that still come up, uh, which is why later I decided that I needed to cut off that relationship because it it was coming down to um, like my me valuing the idea that everybody should just have the ability to live and enjoy life as much as everybody else. Like there, there shouldn't be a um, division between who's allowed to just live and be happy and um, the Prop 8 was like one of those first ones where I was like, oh, this is going to be an issue because like 
it doesn't make sense to me why you're wanting to dictate other people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. I think living, or I would have to imagine, and again, tell me if I'm wrong, but growing up in a household where your parents are on opposite ends of the political spectrum, but never talk about it. And so operate as though politics is something that is wholly separate from your identity and your values. It it just, that never made sense to me, but I can imagine if that's the family you grow up in, like you believe that up until a point. And then when something like Prop 8 comes about and somewhere deep, deep in the back of your mind, you're looking at that issue and you're thinking, okay, my mom's against this and my dad is for this and they think that's okay, but I am a human being and I wanna get married someday why should someone like my dad, if say he was, wasn't my dad, like somebody I wasn't related to, somebody I never would know, why does he get to vote that I don't get to do that? Like that doesn't make any sense. And so yeah. when it becomes more personal and it's not like my mom's a Democrat and my dad's a Republican, but really, oh no, that means all of these beliefs. That means this worldview mm-hmm. and a worldview that impacts the lives of people like that's when it really becomes dissonant and you're like oh I can't just exist in this anymore yeah well and and that honestly um is when I initially like I I learned about politics through a very balanced lens in my mind because when I would hear uh, my mom or my dad talk about issues it was less about like democrats believe this and republicans believe this it was more just like this is an issue and um one person doesn't agree and um or they don't agree one person believes this the other person believes this i identify with um the democrat side of things and so then it started like piling up to where i was like oh that like that is what i want to be a part of i don't want to be a part of the this group of people who believe all of these things that are taking rights away from people and and stuff like that yeah so when you got to a point of course it's a million points like estrangement doesn't happen overnight and it's a common myth that one thing will happen and just trigger complete no contact I think that's a way to villainize often adult children for like making this spiteful rash choice against the parents who raised them but when you started to have experiences that were like I don't think that this relationship is gonna work unless something huge changes. I could imagine in your shoes, thinking to myself before working through all the guilt, before understanding that things weren't my fault, I could imagine feeling like, why was my mom able to be married to this man with such different views, but I can't deal with it? Like, what is the difference there? Is that, can you speak on that a bit? Yeah, um, I think the because the kind of the straw that broke the camel's back for me was 
some people would think very minor um, because initially when we stopped talking, it was because I was, um, we were driving to a Christmas dinner. I was getting car sick and asking my dad to like drive not as crazy and he was like disregarding my feelings or like how I was getting sick and stuff and in my mind what because in our relationships things were so multifaceted and that was kind of like the oh if you don't care about this very minor thing then you really won't care about all of these major things Mm -hmm. and it really became about like my mom and my sister might be okay with your views because they don't necessarily affect them that much or if they do affect them they're willing to overlook that and maintain a relationship outside of things but both of you and I are such empathetic people that not only were some of his views taking things away from me but but they're taking things away from people in my life that are very close to me they're taking away things from people in general that like I truly do care even if somebody I don't know somebody from a specific people group I care about them being treated right and um and so it's even things issues that don't affect me directly do affect me in a way where I'm unwilling to overlook somebody that's not going to stand up for what's right. Yeah. Do you think you always viewed empathy as a strength in the way that I know you and I both do now? Do you think you always felt like that was something that you didn't want to falter or did you ever struggle with it? Where were you at with that? Um, I mean, I think that I definitely did go through, um, a period of time where, because I was always a sensitive kid, as people would tell me, and, and I think that that, it was very weaponized for a long time to where, like, my empathy was seen as, like, don't be weak or don't be um, too sensitive. Where's your your sense of humor? Exactly. And I very quickly, I started to realize that it was like, I'm not going to have a sense of humor about something where somebody else is the butt of the joke. And I'm not willing to let things slide if it means that somebody's going to have something taken away from them. 
Yeah. Um, and so uh, pretty quickly, I was like, yes, I am empathetic and you should be too. Yeah. That's and funny. and less less like I wish I wasn't so empathetic because I think yeah. initially when I was like very young I probably was like I don't like being so sensitive but but I I mean through therapy and and just like living it I was like uh, yeah, I am sensitive and I wish a lot more people were sensitive because yeah. the the way that a lot of people go about in the world is not okay. And yeah. they need more empathy and they need more sympathy. Like, um, not sympathy, uh, sensitivity. Sensitivity, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that my experience with empathy was like, oh, obviously empathy is is a good thing. It's good to be empathetic because that means that you're feeling for other people. Like sympathy, empathy, all of that when it's in relation to somebody else and somebody else's suffering, that is good and that should be celebrated. But it did take a lot of work to be able to apply that to myself and to think Mm -hmm. not only should I extend that sensitivity and softness to my own struggle, but I also need to at first acknowledge my own struggle and like acknowledge that the pain that I'm feeling on behalf of other people, I am also feeling pain. And I think that's a difficult thing to own and accept because even when it's clear that feeling for someone else and wanting to lift other people up, that's regarded positively in our society, it is seen as weak and um, difficult and dramatic to mm. have feelings yourself and to, yeah. to show that softness and grace and um, love towards yourself and your own struggle. Do you, yeah. it, did you experience the same thing? Like, is it easier for you to feel for other people than to feel for yourself? Yeah, definitely. And I think that a large part of it for me was like, I, I wish that I had somebody in my life who was as empathetic to my feelings. And so I'm going to be that empathetic for other people. Um, Yeah. Because a lot of it did come from like, I'm dealing with my own stuff and like people should not be alone when they're, doing that like everybody needs to have a support system and so I will be that for other people and I I think that that's a large part of what keeps me fired up today is like now you and I are at the point where like we have gone through a lot of our own stuff and and that makes me driven even more to be that support to other people because I know how hard it is to do it on your own yeah I'm a much better friend partner um confidant even stranger like person that a random person talking to me about something they're going through I'm much better to talk to about things like that 
after having acknowledged that I have the capacity to feel pain. Like even trying to be there for people growing up and lend an ear, there was always that wall that was like, I feel for you and what you're feeling is valid, but like, I don't feel anything and I don't need you to give that to me. And it was this defense mechanism of like, I am afraid you won't be able to. Mm -hmm. I have wanted people to give that to me and they've let me down. Let's just deny the existence of this at all and purely focus it outward so that even if I'm a lost cause and my pain never gets its day in the spotlight, at least you won't have to go through that. But I do think it's really important and freeing to recognize that not only does everyone deserve that and everyone deserves to to give space to their own struggle, but you are going to be a better person to other people once you acknowledge that and once you let that wall down and, and find a way to relate to them. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I think, I think to what you're saying is very important because I think we're all kind of conditioned to not wanting to be the person that's crying all the time or crying at all and like going through everything that both of us have like it's there's so much power in that experiencing feelings and being in touch with your feelings and I saw a tweet the other day that kind of resonated this, but um, it said something along the lines of like, nobody that's in therapy would uh, not support human life in terms of like Black Lives Matter, Black Trans Lives Matter, all of that, like uh, just trans people in general, the queer community, um, all of it. Like you, there's no way if you're dealing with your own feelings and experiences that you're not going to be also fired up when somebody else is struggling and they're not given the tools to come out of it yeah yeah like until you are your own advocate there's just a limit to the amount that you can advocate for other people because without acknowledging the pain that inherently is the closest to you because it's your own like you're not unlocking the capacity to really feel for everyone and once you do you realize oh wow if this thing has caused so much struggle for me And like, it's not even scratching the surface of stuff that other people go through. We must care for them because it, it hurts me so much. And I'm finally accepting that, that like, I can't even fathom how much it is hurting them. And, and we need to deal with that. It's our responsibility to help everybody get to a point where they're cared for. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Can you talk a little bit about like concrete conversations that you've had with your family regarding estrangement what it's been like to talk to your mom and your sister about it what it's been like to deal slash not deal with your father about it 
what have those logistics been like? What have you been up against? What have been the hardest parts? Yeah, I, I think that the main conversation that sticks out of my mind is when right after it, I had a conversation with my mom and she said something that like, even thinking about it still makes me emotional today because she said that she was like, you know that I love you so much and that there is nothing, there's no problem that you and I, that you could have with me that I'm not willing to work through with you. And that's been really what has allowed our relationship to continue on um, is that she she really does and like she's done a lot of work on her own and and so she really does want to be there for me and want to want to work through things and I value that so much because I think that if that wasn't there, it would be a lot harder for me to have a relationship. But because she said that, and it was like the day after I told my dad that I didn't want to continue speaking um and so i i really know that like she was saying that in reference to what was happening with him and she wanted me to know that like there is no boundary that her love doesn't go past you know yeah yeah that's like all anyone ever wants to hear their parents say And my parents have said similar, like through really tough times, there have been these glimmers where it's just like, no matter what, I I want to try. I want to figure out how to make this better. And I I read something today that said establishing distance with a family member and specifically with a parent is extremely difficult, but maintaining that distance is even more difficult. And if I think about what would have happened if your mother hadn't said that to you after having had such a close relationship with her for your whole life, it would have been so hard for you and not to say it hasn't been, but it would have been so hard for you to maintain the boundaries that you knew you needed with your dad. If Mm -hmm. your mom didn't express that she was going to be on your team with you trying to work on this, no matter what, but knowing that, you would always have her and that she had made a promise to you that she was going to be there allowed mm-hmm. you the space to be like, okay, that includes me needing this space from my dad. Like she's yeah. going to be there for me and work on this with me, even if that's happening. And if she'd yeah. said, no, like I won't, I'm not going to do that, which happens in this book that I was reading. Like mm-hmm. it's so, there's this desperation to be like, you know what, maybe my boundaries are too much. Maybe the standards I have are too high. Maybe what I'm asking for isn't possible and I need to be less demanding. And at the end of the day, 
I just want my parents to love me. So I will do whatever it takes, including sacrifice my own identity, sacrifice my own peace, just to feel as though my parents love me and are there for me. Even if all of that's a complete fallacy, it's just such an intense urge. And yeah, what would you have to say about that? Yeah, um, one thing um, that I learned about in therapy uh, right when all of this was happening that is kind of goes into what you're saying is the um, idea of differentiation, which um, is pretty much when there's like one family group and one person uh, and they're all going along with a specific mold of like their different roles in the family. And one person decides to break away from that, that causes a lot of disruption for the entire family because their choice from then on is do we want to maintain this um, group of molds that we've been fulfilling without this person or do we want to understand that it is okay for that breaking apart to happen and we will continue on in a different way. And that was definitely something that I'm grateful for with my mom and my sister is that instead of clinging on to that mold of a family that we had um, going, they understood that it was best for me to break away from it. And then they were also willing to be supportive of that as well. Because in a lot of situations, like a family does just kind of move on and one person is left out and that's just the end of it. But you and I have both been in the situation where like things are able to continue on just in a different way. And that doesn't make the family any less great. It just, things are different. Right. Yeah. And I think that has also given me hope. Like I can't fathom what it would be like to have the family unit make a decision to just stay the same or bust. Like you're out or you're in. And I think that's honestly the majority of the experiences that people have had in the past. Ideally not in the future, as the world changes, as new generations of parents come along, you'd hope that that's not what's going to happen after all millennials have been in therapy for their entire adulthood. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But I do think that that's a really common experience and being able to not have that and to be like, maybe this different makeup is what is needed right now gives hope that in the future, something else different could come to be. And clinging to something from the past because you think without that you have nothing, that's a really scary thing to grapple with. If the family unit is thinking, if we let this particular unit disintegrate, we will not have a family. Mm -hmm. I can understand why somebody would be like, well, then I'm not doing that. I will do whatever it takes to have a family. But recognizing that the family can take different shapes, can include different people, can look like different social gatherings, can have different levels of communication, and none of it is final, that gives the freedom to let it evolve in a way that truly makes every person who's involved in it 
feel like their best self, feel like they're actually in a family that loves them and Mm -hmm. that is doing what a family is meant to do rather than staying in a quote unquote family, even though that family never gave them those feelings of acceptance and warmth. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Have you encountered stigma related to your estrangement from your dad in talking to friends? Like, have have you lost any friends? Have you lost connections or had conversations with people where you're like, ugh, you don't get it? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I haven't lost any friends, thankfully, but I definitely, there are friends where I will, I've realized that they're just not, the person that I'm going to talk to about problems with my parents or family or problems with my father. Um, because I, I think a lot of people have this idea in their head that you kind of referenced earlier, where like, if somebody's estranged from their family, it's by their choice. And, um, so, like, if you're just willing to get over it, then you can have that back when in reality, it's more like I'm estranged because of all of this pain was caused. And so, as of right now, that's not something that I do want back. That's not something that's going to add to my life or be beneficial for my life um at all and like and that's the that's the thing that I try to express to those people is like my life right now is so much more happy and less stressful than it was before I made that decision um that it makes no sense to me to like go back because like I'm doing better now and, yeah. and so that that's I want to stay in this better boat yeah rather than go back to one that caused caused me pain and anguish and anxiety yeah yeah and when it when you think about how much people look down on estrangement and mm-hmm. assume that it someone's at fault here like assume that someone the person who decided to cut ties they're holding a grudge like I think that's just basically the perspective is you are holding a grudge grudges help no one bitterness is never going to heal you like you need to get over it when you know that that's how our world sees that choice making the choice is so hard yeah and I think to for somebody to come to you and be like come on you just need to move past it it's sort of like somebody telling you to just do yoga when you have debilitating depression it's like you think I didn't try you think I didn't try to just get past it and tell myself that there were 12 more things I could do to make this better and allow it to continue as it's been continuing and I think that's something that goes um, unspoken because it's Mm -hmm. such a personal inner process because it's something that's so looked down upon that going through those thought paths of what other options are there aside from this one that everybody is going to think is wrong Mm -hmm. knowing that like that really was your only choice at the time that you made it and the result has been positive like 
it's difficult to waver from that because you've overcome so much to even get there. You have yeah. to feel confident that that it needed to happen. Yeah, well, and, and I think that that's one of the reasons why um, you talking about this is so important because like I do want to validate for anybody that's going through this that not only is what's happening not your fault, but like most of the time when someone's going through parental estrangement, it's because they've spent a lifetime trying to solve that. Trying right. to trying out those solutions that everybody gives you, saying like, what about trying this? What about trying that? You've right. tried all of those things for your entire life and that's what leads up to you being like I can no longer do this right and so so it's important for anybody that's listening that is going through something like this to to hear that like you have tried the options and it is okay for you to decide that you need to step away. That doesn't yeah. mean that it's forever. That doesn't mean that it's any specific timeline. It just means that you can set that boundary of being like, you know what, right now I realize that this is an unhealthy situation and I need to step away. Totally. Yeah, and I think when you talk about all of those options, like when we're referring to the seemingly endless pool of options to go to before you decide to disconnect from a family member, those options really are just boundaries. Like they're yeah. they're boundaries that either you're willing to sacrifice or boundaries that you realize you aren't. And mm-hmm. the way that the path is formed based on that series of decisions and like in my situation, I'm grateful that at this point, I'm not estranged from anyone in my family. I yeah. am very happy to have relationships with them. And they, the reason that I can is because of boundaries. But boundaries are so hard to create and maintain. They require a level of understanding of oneself that I think a lot of people don't get to in an entire lifetime. And people will try to implement boundaries before they reach that level of understanding. I did. Like I would try to, for my whole life, I've tried to set up boundaries with various people, thinking that that would help, thinking that that would heal without really understanding like what was hurting me Mm -hmm. or what I didn't like about it. Just kind of trying to put a stop to it before really analyzing the why behind it and like what I thought it was going to fix. Um, And it's, it's a back and forth and it's such a painful one with family too, because even the idea of boundaries with family feels like uh, distance and boundaries with family feels like a lack of love, even though it isn't, because the whole goal is to just reach a greater level of love where both parties feel loved, both parties feel respected, they feel safe and adding in those limits and those boundaries to facilitate that sort of dynamic, that is like the greatest expression of love. But yeah. it's so counterintuitive to go through the process of creating it, which can include times of disconnect, which can include pe- which can include periods of estrangement, 
while you're figuring it out. Yeah. Um, and even if estrangement does last forever, because sometimes somebody won't reach that as a decision until they truly have done all of this self-work and they have done figured out like every boundary they've needed and presented that to the other person and the other person said no and like that happened to you you know you said this is what I need could you talk a little bit about like what you said you needed and what the response was and how it led to to where you're at now yeah um so kind of what you were saying before is um similar to my situation where I realized that I had some boundaries that were specific to what I needed, but some boundaries to where I was saying pretty much like, I can't have a relationship with somebody that is supporting conservative politics. And that is because of, who I am as a queer person, but that's also because of all of these other people groups that conservative politics other. Um, And I'm just not willing to have a relationship like that. And that's fine if you want to believe those things and everything, but I just don't want to be involved. Um, And Another piece of it for me was I spent so much of my childhood under kind of like this religious oppression where we had to be Christian. There was no other option. And we had to like be a part of Bible studies and all of this stuff. And there's no other option. And like, I wasn't allowed to do girl things as a kid and there's no other option. Um, Girl things in air quotes. So uh, part of my estrangement as well is like, my boundary is that in order to have a relationship, you need to recognize the emotional pain that was that you brought to me as a child, not allowing me to be the person that I wanted to be and not allowing me to believe the things that I wanted to believe. um, Because I'm not willing to overlook that pain that I went through for so long, just in order to have a relationship. So when I had the initial conversation with my dad, um, I explained all of those things to him. um, And he asked if, if he, he was like, I wonder if I changed my political views, if you would be like, if that would be enough then. And I told him no. And a large part of that is because of that boundary of like, there is so much more underneath just the political side of things that also needs to be addressed. And, and like, it needs to be actually addressed and not just 
not just like um kind of like yeah i i recognize that that all happened like i need you to understand why it hurt me for that i wasn't allowed to paint my nails or why it hurt me that i wasn't allowed to do certain things those are things that still affect me to this day and so those things need to be addressed before i'm willing to like pick back up the relationship yeah because addressing those things is really like rebuilding the erosion of trust exactly exactly it it's showing me that you are willing to support who I am as a person wholly and that it doesn't come with um like restrictions of like I will love you completely and let you be who you are except for this right right yeah there can't be conditions and I think Mm -hmm. an interesting thing that gets like conflated is the yearning for unconditional love from a parent while setting boundaries and therefore having conditions to the relationship. I think the idea that like the idea of unconditional love can be misrepresented as you can do anything to me and I can do anything to you and I will still love you. And if I decide that what you did to me means that it's harder for me to love you, like, that means that the love wasn't real. That means that the love wasn't unconditional. But an interesting thing about estrangement in general, I think, is that, like, there's never a loss of love. That's Mm -hmm. why it's so painful. Because the love is unconditional. The love is there. And the difficulty is really, like, what, how can we make these situations not painful for Mm -hmm. people because we love each other? Um, And I think setting boundaries and realizing that conditions, aka boundaries, are actually facilitating that unconditional love to live its best life within the relationship. You know what I mean? Like, I think I honestly was confused about that in the past. I think at points in my life, I've been like, I don't believe in unconditional love. I don't believe in that. I don't think that that concept should exist. I don't think parents should unconditionally love their kids or kids should unconditionally love their parents I don't think I should unconditionally love my partner but in reality I do think that unconditional love is beautiful and I feel it towards so many people Mm -hmm. Um, but that love does not equal contact that love does not equal a relationship yeah so much has to exist to make everything safe and positive and worthwhile full of Mm -hmm. mutual respect and care to give that unconditional love like room to breathe you know what I mean yeah definitely well and I think too I I think a lot of people confuse unconditional love with love that does not have boundaries yeah and that's that's not the case and and so that's one of the things that like I also um when talking with other people have had to deal with is people saying things like well don't you feel like you're saying I'll love you again when x y and z like like 
if you if you accept me for who I am, then I'll accept you, kind of. And it's that's not it at all. It's it's like I I want to feel loved by you like I love you you know right yeah like and and it does go both ways but I think the first person to initiate the bounds that they need in order to feel that love kind of sets the stage and then it's a back and forth and then you you it evolves you figure out what works over time we are all constantly changing so it's never gonna stay the same but yeah, it's never like I stopped loving you. Yeah. And if you do this, you'll win it back. That's just not at all the situation I feel comfortable saying in like any form of estrangement. Other yeah. than if it's estrangement because like an abuser truly hates the person they're abusing. But yeah. beyond that, I just feel like it's always love and that's why it's so fraught. Mm-hmm. Um and I do think that that's something that people really don't get. And that's why it has such a bad reputation. When I think about estrangement in media, obviously, like, there is this book called Educated that I think a lot of people have heard of by Tara Westover. And I recently finished it. Like, two days ago, I stayed up till two in the morning because I was close to the end. And I'm like, I, this is enthralling, which is kind of strange to say because it's not fantasy. <laughs> it's not, like, an exciting journey. It's about this woman who was raised in an extremist fundamentalist Mormon family but like I would imagine Mormons don't generally align with the views of her family um very survivalist they had they were canning peaches constantly they didn't believe in the medical establishment her dad was obsessed with the Illuminati all of this can sort of be laughed at but when you think about how she was homeschooled and this was the entire world that she existed in it's, it's really nothing to laugh at because once she miraculously got a ticket to education and was able to actually learn about the world and learn about herself and learn about what was okay and what wasn't okay versus just everything she knew being from her family, it caused a huge rift between what she thought was okay and what she thought was life and what she was learning was actually like the real world. Um, and as she came to take control of her own mind and like have an education and have the tools to reflect and talk about things outside the confines of her tiny community, she had to grapple with the fact that there was a ton of abuse in her household, that there was a ton of gaslighting, that she never had room to express that something wasn't okay with her that something hurt her, that she didn't agree with something, because not only would she be ridiculed and criticized and emotionally abused and told she was crazy, but she also would be physically abused by people in her family. So this journey, inevitably, spoiler alert, does lead to estrangement. It's a memoir, and you can tell that she's still dealing with so much pain because of that and that decades of her life when she had inklings that things weren't right that something just was causing her so much pain you can still tell that she does feel a level of guilt she does feel a huge sense of loss 
for not having this thing that her family thinks she could have if only she accepted things for the way that they wanted them to be and I think it was such a hit quote unquote like it's been on the New York Times bestsellers list for two years because it is providing this new perspective to a rift in a familial relationship that really gives insight into how not only does she love her parents and her family so much, but you really can tell that they love her too. Mm-hmm. And that just isn't enough. There needs yeah. to be more than that. There needs to be validation and there mm-hmm. needs to be work and acceptance. And um, there just needs to be more than the deep unconditional love that they have for each other, even though she felt like that should have been enough to make it work for so much of her life. Yeah. Well, and I I think that that's an important aspect too, is everybody, even parents, come into relationships only being able to, like, develop them by pulling from their past experiences. And so it sounds like for her situation and for um my situation as well is like I do know that my dad is trying to love me the best way that he knows how um but the context to which he's trying to love me in is just not the context that I live in yeah anymore And so I fully understand that that is the experience to which he's trying to work from, but it's just, that's where sometimes love isn't enough to bridge that gap to where it's validation and um, acceptance wholeheartedly. Yeah. Yeah. Like he... That's a that was a really astute way to say it. Like he is loving you his best, but mm-hmm. you are asking him to truly step into your experience, acknowledge yeah. it as a real experience, acknowledge mm-hmm. it as your life and and be there and love you there versus yeah. loving you from afar but not changing anything about his worldview or anything about his history. You're asking yeah. for him to take that jump. And you understand that that doesn't mean he isn't loving you so hard from over there. It just, you can't feel it because it's not where you are. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of like he's loving me. Our, our family was developed standing in a circle and he's loving me from within that circle, but I've stepped out of the circle and um and so I need the love to come meet me there like you said like I need the love to be experienced anywhere I am not just from within that circle and and that's that's the difficult part that we were kind of talking about before is like I do love him and I love our family and I like there are times where I do want that to be like a full family again but also 
I don't want to sacrifice my love and happiness from out here to right. just be a part of that group again. Yeah, because if you look back on your experience in that group, even though there were many times where you did feel love and did enjoy being a part of it, I'm not denying that at all, the overarching feeling was that it wasn't right, <laughs> that yeah. you that you didn't fit there. And even though on paper you got to be in it and they all got to believe you were in it, the experience within you was that you weren't. Even before you actually stepped out of the circle, that's where you felt you belonged to begin with. So like to dream of stepping back into it, which I think a lot of people do when they're feeling that loss and loneliness of estrangement, that dream of like, maybe I can just go back in there. You're denying the fact that when you were in there, you still weren't even in there, you know? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and just another aspect too of what the that story that you brought up um kind of resonated in me or for me was um I think there's uh like within religious communities and specifically within Christianity for me, there's this one story in the Bible of the prodigal son. And pretty much what the story is, is that like a son gets cast out and leaves the family and um, like struggles and is having um, all of these difficulties and then finally comes back and is willing to submit to his father again. And I think that that is one way that I see religion supporting kind of negative um, stigmas on parental estrangement because I don't, I think it's kind of a bit of a controversial statement because a lot of people do think that like as the child you're supposed to submit to your parent but like in a healthy relationship you both need to be submitting to each other yeah I also think in the context of religion like so much of the book terrible things happen and she as a child or adolescent is witnessing it and noticing that something's wrong. Maybe not noticing to the magnitude that she realizes now, but just kind of noticing like, my brother shouldn't have gotten his leg burned that day. <laughs> or like, yeah. this this shouldn't have happened. My mom shouldn't have like been put in this position to begin with, whatever. It goes back to it being the will of God. Mm -hmm. And in no way am I bashing religion. Like I, when it brings people peace and joy and purpose, I am all for it. But I do think that spiritual bypassing is a thing and not taking accountability for the actions that people are making, like mm -hmm. the moves that they as individuals are making and saying, whatever I do is the will of God. However yeah. it affects you is the will of God whatever happens is the will of God. And even if it seems like something horrible and violent and it's causing sustained pain, you need to have faith that that's what was supposed to happen. Yeah. 
I think that it even extends to our emotions because there was many times when I was told um, things when I was struggling um, about like, oh, you just need to pray about it or, oh, just be uh, faithful, which is spiritual bypassing. And um, that caused me a lot of pain as well because it's not validating any of the feelings that I was having. It's just saying like, oh, forget about those. It'll get better. Or like, um, uh, like if you pray, all of those things will go away instead of giving me like the real, real tools that I can help myself find peace with in that moment. Right. Because I mean, and I have, I was never raised in any sort of religious community for better or for worse. Like that has just never been a part of my life. Ethnically Jewish, but like never belonged to a church, never really believed in God at most, just like feel that there is something greater, but that's really as deep as it goes. And so when I hear about things like this, I'm like, even if it is the will of God for you to be going through this trial, why can't it also be the will of God for you to help me through it? <laughs> like, yes. why Why is this one thing the will of God and I need to have faith in that, but I can't pray for relief or I can't talk to you about it and God can't will you to bring me comfort. That just doesn't align to me. And yes. I think that's, I think that just goes to show that it's not a valid excuse and that it it doesn't make any sense, believe in God or not, that people don't need to suffer if that suffering is brought to light and there are potential solutions to it. It doesn't yes. have to continue on that way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and there's um I understand that people believe that there is um, there is solutions that can be brought through prayer or other things like that but there are also solutions in the moment to support that person and to help that person and uh, like looking to the future doesn't negate also solving what you can in that moment totally and if everything is the will of god then therapists are the will of god totally (laughs) medication medication the will of god we wouldn't have had the tools to create this if god didn't will will it you know yeah so i just think it's possible to have a deeply religious life and also believe in boundaries and also believe in restorative justice and also just believe in the power of people to change and evolve and help each other in ways that weren't written in the Bible. I think it's possible for those things to exist side by side. And, and I, I know that there are so many communities that also agree with that, but there also are so many that are antiquated and kind of relying on the Bible or the story, the story of the prodigal son as reasons to not change and to not make things better. Yeah. Um, when, when you're feeling specifically low about 
your estrangement when you're feeling kind of that loss or the weight of that, what do you do to comfort yourself? Um, that's a good question. I, I think that a large part of, of me finding peace now has been in relationships like ours or um, like my chosen family um, because and um, being able to substitute some of that community that I feel in a family um, with them um, like you and like my friends in LA and and so being able to do like holidays with them or uh, because the, especially when I first became estranged from my dad and my family, holidays were the hardest time to go through. Um, and so having people that I could go to that our friendships have surpassed just just like surface level friends and I'm able to consider them family um uh has been so helpful um in situations like holidays or in situations where I'm having a really hard time and I need support I think that another thing that has been really helpful for me when I am feeling um, kind of like the stress of estrangement is to um, look up examples in media or read books or movies or things like that to where I can feel validated that what my feelings are valid and that the experience that I'm going through and that I've been through warrants the decisions that I've made. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's, there is so much community online, even like, of course, Reddit is a place that you should take with a grain of salt, but there are so many communities on there that not only are people sharing their own experiences and their own struggles, but sharing sources and sharing Mm -hmm. pieces of media, sharing books, sharing studies that can give you greater insight into your experience or the experience of your family and just add to the context as you're working through this and, and just trying to understand it and make peace with it. And I, I feel grateful that that exists too, that like, I, that you and I can make this podcast and maybe somebody will listen to it and, Mm -hmm be able to feel validated and heard just by way of two people talking about it. Yeah. Um, I think that that's really beautiful and necessary. Yeah. So definitely. imagine there is somebody, there is somebody listening to this who has gone through estrangement or feels like they may need to disconnect from family in the future, at least for a period of time or is already disconnected from a family member, maybe not by their own choice, mm-hmm. what would you say to them to help them work through the journey and also to comfort them? Like, what advice do you have? Yeah, I 
think the most important thing for somebody going through either of those examples to hear is that you are either getting ready to or you've made the step validating your own emotions and your boundaries and that there's absolutely nothing wrong with making that distinction that you are taking a step of um, recognition of your own worth and your own value um, and letting other people know that like this is this is where I draw the line in the sand kind of um, and that's okay because in every relationship you have to have those boundaries in order for them to work Um, and I would definitely say the other part of it would be to talk with a life coach talk with a therapist um talk with somebody who is going to be able to give you some of the resources that we've talked about because even before i started the whole process i knew a little bit about estrangement but um but after I started talking through it through it with other people I was really able to understand that what I was doing was right and all of the different facets of why estrangement is okay through the resources that I was given and through the conversations that I had yeah Yeah, I think I would echo that completely. Like, just talk to people. I've Mm -hmm. had friends that, because I wasn't talking to them about what I was going through, I had no idea what they were going through. I've had friends and I found out, like, I mean, in our case, of course, but then also other friends where years into our relationship, this huge part of their life, I'm suddenly made aware of. And it's only because... I was like willing to start talking to them about my own experience. And I think the power in like being vulnerable and talking to people about something that feels taboo or something that feels unfinished or something that you're not happy about that isn't like Instagram worthy. It really provides a great sense of comfort simply in just knowing you're not alone, but then also in being able to work together and help each other get to a point of peace, whether it's reconciliation or whether it's just releasing yourself of guilt, whatever that point is, um, you can't do it by yourself. And yeah. think about all the years you spent trying to do it alone and it didn't yeah. work. Yeah. So yeah, seeking help from anyone and everyone and various people I think is like vital. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy I got to talk to you for over an hour. Just personally, it's a treat. Yeah. Um, I want you to pivot and like tell people a little bit about you and where they can find you and if they can follow you and if they just kind of want to know you beyond your relationship with your dad. So yeah. if there's anything you want to plug, please do. You can find me on Instagram at Illuminati. E-L-I-M-U-N-A-T-I-I-I. 
<laughs> and you can also find, and that's where you'll find my artwork. And um, I talk a lot about social justice and about uh, mental health awareness on there. And then I'm also starting a, a zine for um, queer spirituality, which you can follow on Instagram at communion zine. Um, I didn't even know about that. It's yeah, it's kind of, right now. Yeah, it's a, a new little project that I'm working on with a friend, um, just exploring the the aspects of the queer community that is reminiscent of um, a lot of the spiritual communities around the world. That's really, really cool. I love that. Yeah. Um, and also, you can buy handmade uh, candles <laughs> yes i completely <laughs> forgot you can buy my candles at my website elimcdonald.com i make um handmade penis candles um with lavender and orange scent it's they're very therapeutic for me to make and um if that's your type of thing then by all means I mean, we have one on our media console and we don't want to light it. So we don't, we don't get to benefit from the lavender yet because we want to keep it intact. It's cold to be clear, Mm -hmm. but yeah, not safe for work. Maybe you don't plan to buy this candle for like your family for the holidays. Definitely. Uh, For yourself. Great. For a friend. And maybe if if your parents are into that. Awesome. Definitely. Yeah. (laughs) Some of those, some of those parents out there are, getting crazy so they're getting a little wild yeah all right Eli I love you thank you for doing this with me of course thanks for having me thank you so much for listening to this episode of TBH the podcast it means so much to me to have your support and to have you tuning in and I just hope that I can keep making this in a way that speaks to you that hopefully helps you or at the very least just gives you something to listen to to pass the time if there's anything that you want me to talk about specifically in the future or if you'd like to be a guest on the podcast please let me know i would love to talk to you hear your ideas get your feedback my dms are open and i hope you have a wonderful rest of your day a great week and i will talk to you all next week thank you